Okay, hi everybody. I wanted to do another video this time on taxes because I believe the conversation around taxes, at least here in America, is misguided, manipulated, and we just lack the facts of the actual tax system and what happens when, for instance, the tax rate versus the tax revenue. So I'm gonna break that down for you. Um, I'm also gonna use examples of past administrations to further the argument that one, we do have a progressive tax system and when you lower tax rates, you actually, the government actually receives higher tax revenues. So first, a lot of the information that I'm gonna be taking or a lot of the information is gonna be derived from an article published in 2012 by Thomas Sowell called Trickle Down Theory and Tax Cuts for the Rich and his argument as to why these are not actually a thing. And then at the end, I'm going to go over the actual numbers of who pays the taxes here in America and prove to you that we actually do have a progressive tax system. And that information is going to be taken from summary of the latest federal tax data that was published in February 2020. Before I get into exactly that, I wanted to go over just the, the tax system here in America and how it hasn't always been the way that it is now. For example, the state income tax was not initiated into society until the Civil War. And as many of you may know, each state does not have the same uh, income tax. Some don't have it at all. Some have a flat tax and some have one that progresses based off your income levels. Additionally, our federal income tax was not initiated until 1913. And that's when the Federal Reserve was came to be here in America. Uh, so that being said, let's kind of start by going over administrations and what their tax policy implement once they implemented their tax policy what were the results for example the Woodrow Wilson administration which was 1913 to 1921 he had the tax rate of 73 percent his excuse was to pay for World War One and at that time I'm going to compare the Woodrow Wilson administration to the Harding which was only one term to Coolidge and the Woodrow Wilson administration, which ended in 1921, like I said, his tax rate was 73%. And from that 73%, the government tax revenue was 700 million, 30% of which was paid by the highest income earners, which they accounted for earning $100,000 or more. Then compare that to the, Hart, the Harding administration and throughout the Coolidge administration. Now, at 1929, which was the end of the Coolidge administration, their um, tax rate was 24%. They accumulated a billion dollars in tax revenue, which 65% of the highest incomes paid for earning $100,000 or more. So if we compare the two under Wilson, it was 73%. It accumulated $700 million in tax revenue, which was paid by 30% of those earning $100,000 or more. Compared to Coolidge, which was 24%, they accumulated a billion dollars in revenue, which was paid by 65% of the highest income earners earning $100,000 or more. What also happened during this time period was that the at the end of the Woodrow Wilson administration, it was our debt was $24 billion. By the end or near the end of the Coolidge administration, our debt was $18 billion. So we actually dropped our debt $6 billion because the revenues went up when the tax rates went low, went, went lower, were lowered. And a lot of this, these policies were implemented by the Secretary of Treasury 
um, Andrew Mellon, who started in the Harding administration and then carried through throughout the Coolidge administration. And that he was a strong advocate for lowering the tax rates because he understood the habits or the mentality of the wealthy and the investors. He knew that if the rates were lower, they were willing to actually invest into the economy, knowing that they'd have a higher rate of return or ROI and get more of their money back. When the rates were higher, those individuals would rather invest in what he called tax shelters like bonds where they weren't going to be getting charged the 73%. I mean, that's just human behavior and people who understand money will try to not pay taxes unless they're lower than they're willing to pay those taxes because they can receive a higher return on their investment. And what, other, what also happened during this time frame of 1925 through 1928 was their unemployment ranged from a high of 4.2% to a low of 1.8%, which are just unheard of numbers today. And what happened was when you these investors invest in the economy, they create more jobs, they create higher wages, rather than taking their money out of the economy into tax safety nets. So that was another of Mellon's arguments. Another one of his arguments was he was against having these tax safety nets and write-offs or any of these things to, from for the wealthy to avoid paying taxes because he understand that the burden was left to the middle and lower class. And he actually fought for this, but Congress disagreed. And I'll actually say a quote right from Thomas Sowell and his reasoning behind politicians incentive to say they want to raise the taxes for the wealthy while at the same time weaking and nodding at the wealthy saying that don't worry there's going to be loopholes in the system so they're what is it they're speaking to their base saying they want to raise taxes on the wealthy while also giving the wealthy the opportunity not to pay those taxes and i quote However, economically inconsistent it was to have very high tax rates on high incomes while providing a large loophole through which the wealthy could avoid paying those taxes, it is politically beneficial to elected officials who could attract votes in class warfare with class warfare rhetoric and at the same time attract donations from the wealthy by providing an easy escape from actually paying those taxes or taxes at all. And who does this remind you of? I would say Bonnie Sanders and the 1%. They have to pay their fair share. While at the same time, wanting to say they raise taxes, we all know wealthy individuals and investors who have more of a money or financial knowledge than the rest of us will figure out a way to avoid paying those high taxes. Um, so those are some examples from the Coolidge administration uh, as well as comparing the Coolidge administration to the Wilson administration. And following the Coolidge administration, which was Hoover and FDR, which were both big government high taxes administrations, which actually then unemployment went into double digits and they actually prolonged the recession by many years. And that has been studied and proven for another day. Um, I also wanna talk about other administrations that, that were pro cutting taxes to stimulate the economy. One of them was JFK. He actually urged tax cuts in his address in 1963. His purpose was to achieve a more prosperous expanding economy to improve total outputs and economic growth. This was then replicated by Reagan in 1981 and George Bush in 2001. And ironically, the New York Times, when, he, when they spoke about, because in 2001, when George Bush implemented these tax cuts, it actually shrank the deficit. And according to the New York Times, this was 
unexpected and as Thomas Sowell put it expectations are in the eyes of the beholder because as I just went over a few administrations for the past 80 years when they lowered the tax rate it actually produced more tax revenue so it's not unexpected it was to be exactly expected which is why George Bush implemented these lower taxes um, and then just saying from so that's the standpoint of in America and another thing is when they're talking about raising the tax rates as we already know wealthies wealthy people are going to find a way not to pay those taxes but if they're lower they'll invest in our economy and this is good for the american economy where when they raise these taxes for corporations or individuals wealthy individuals corporations or investors are going to then invest their money overseas in economies with lower taxes where they can get a higher return on their investment those who want lower taxes understand this human you know this the human brain and their decision making because it makes sense what happens is when they hire when they raise taxes here in america so these investors go overseas who does it end ultimately end up hurting not the investors who are still making monies overseas it's hurting the working class because their jobs have now gone overseas so now they don't have a job so i believe it to be not only economically intelligent for Americans, but us on a global scale, as well as I would argue, our national security, because these, these people are going to go to countries like China, who also don't even have, I would say, the um, workers benefits or like well conditioned for their workers. So they're putting their money over there, where they'll make a return on their investment, rather than doing it here and having our manufacturing here in the United States, so we can be independent and not relying on these other nations. So that would be my argument for obviously lowering the taxes because it's not tax cuts for the rich. When you tax cut, when everyone receives tax cuts, the rich and the investors are willing to invest more in our economy, which helps everybody. Rather than going overseas or putting themselves in what um, Andrew Mellon said, taxation uh, safety nets, which is stuff like bonds and things like that, where they end up not even paying the tax rate that is pushed on by whatever administration is currently in power. Um, so now that I go over that, I wanted to discuss with you the actual numbers of the American tax system and provide you guys the information to show you we actually do have a progressive tax system. So before I even get into that, I want to discuss the 1%. When we talk about the 1%, we act as if it's the same amount of people year over year as in it doesn't change. The 1%, like the top 20%, the top 50%, these people are constantly moving in and out of these brackets. It's not the same group of people, in my argument for you. So the top 1% are those earning $515,000 or more. So let's say you and your spouse have a combined income of $300,000. Well, unfortunately, your mother passed away that year, so you inherited her house and it was paid off, you sold it for, let's say, $250,000. Well, now your guys' combined income together, as well as the asset that you just sold off, you have $550,000. Well, now you're part of the 1%. But you're only gonna be in that 1% for that year, because the following year, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have sold that asset, so that money you made wouldn't be accounted for. Therefore, for the, the next year, you wouldn't be part of that 1%. And so that's the way they manipulate us with statistics, saying the 1%, the 20%, not also noting that this population of people is constantly fluctuating. So I just want to put that out there before I go over these numbers. 
Um, so let's start. So the 1%, like I said, is $515,000 and above. And then the top 50%, 50, 50%, is those making um, 41,700. So let's just say $42,000 and above. And so the bottom 50% are making $41,000 or below. So now let's go over some of the numbers. In 2017, the top 50% of taxpayers, so making $42,000 or above, paid 97% of all individual income taxes, while the bottom 50%, $41,000 or below, paid only 3% of the remaining federal tax income tax. Again, the top 1% taxpayers paid 26 point average or 26.8% average individual income tax rate. So they're paying 26.8% on average of what their income is, which is more than six times higher than the bottom 50%, which is they pay on average 4% of their income. So the bottom 50% of their income, they pay about 4% in federal taxes, where the top 1% on average is paying 26.8% of their total income to federal taxes. Another example, so the share of earned income by the top 1% rose from 19.7% in 2016 to 21% in 2017. The share of the tax burden of the top 1% rose as well from 37% in 2016 to 38.5% in 2017. So let's use 2017 numbers. They made 21% of the total income of the US. They paid 38.5% of the total taxes. So they're paying more in taxes than they actually are contributing as far as the total income. Hopefully that makes sense. I'll just give you a few more. In 2017, the bottom 50%, making $41,000 or lower of taxpayers, those with an average gross income of, like I said, $41,000, earned 11.3% of the total gross income. This group of taxpayers paid roughly 3% of all federal income tax. So they make about 11% of the total gross income of America, and yet they only pay 3% of the total taxes. Versus, or in contrast, of the top 1%, of all, taxer, of all taxpayers, which is about $515,000, earned 21% of the total income, and they paid 38% of the total taxes. So in 2017, the top 1% of taxpayers accounted for more income taxes paid than the bottom 90% combined. The top 1% of taxpayers paid roughly $616 billion or 38.5% of all income taxes, while the bottom 90% paid about $479 billion or 29.9% of all income taxes. So the top 1% paid both in numbers and percentages more than the bottom 90%. So can we say that 1% pays their fair share in taxes? I think we can. So let's go over, and now I'm gonna go over the tax increments because we have a pro, excuse me, progressive tax system here in America. The bottom 50%, like I previously stated, they pay about 
4% of their, that's their average tax rate. The top 50% pays about 16. The top 25% pays 18%. The top 10% pays 21.5%. The top 5% pays 23.7%. And the top 1% pays 26.8%. That is the tax rate that they, that they pay based off their income. So as you can see, as you, you um, achieve a higher income, you pay higher taxes. Um, I will provide all this information, but my arguments today is just to let you know that the top 1% pay the most taxes here in the United States. When you lower the tax rate, you actually the government receives higher tax revenues, which would help us in eliminating some of our debt. We're 30 trillion dollars in debt. It'll also provide more economic relief in our economy with more investments, more jobs, and higher wages. And I would just hope you guys use this information when politicians or anyone is talking about the wealthy need to pay pay their their the wealthy need to pay their fair share or talking about taxes in general. This stuff is easily available online. I'll provide links to where I'm getting the information from. And I just wanted to provide you guys with more information on how the tax system actually works and the breakdown of taxes. And honestly, I would like to end it. I don't know who said this quote, but you cannot tax a nation into prosperity. If the previous administrations that I already spoke to didn't provide you a good explanation as to why, people who understand money, investors and wealthy individuals will avoid paying high taxes, but also if taxes are lower, they will pay them and invest in the economy to have a higher ROI. So we keep saying tax, 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 tax more because we want free, 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 free stuff. Let's take a moment, look over the numbers and realize that the, the wealthy in this country pay the vast, vast majority of all the taxes. So I hope you found this somewhat helpful and educational. I urge you to take a look at it yourself. Thomas Sowell is an amazing mind and he his books are written in a way someone like me in layman's term can understand economics. His book, Basic Economics, I'm actually just starting his Wealth, Poverty and Politics and I highly recommend you do so and kind of just take it upon yourself to figure out what you believe and don't be emotionally manipulated by those who try and tell you what to believe. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a good day and taxation is somewhat theft in my opinion. So talk to you guys later.